0: Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. And uh, if you would, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're in a series just talking about Christmas and the whole Christmas story. And uh, I'll be a little shorter. I have have 1,369 minutes. So hope you all can hang in there with me. Okay? Y'all good? All right, I don't know if somebody wants to break that down into how many hours that is, but it's going to be a while. We're going to be here for a minute. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read a, f- a few verses here, uh, chapter 2, 1 through 11. And this is one of those stories about Christmas that we know, but I pray that the Lord will, will help you maybe see it in a different way. Uh, it starts off in, in uh, talking about the, the wise men. How many of you know the wise men? Um, the thing about the story, the Christmas story is that we've all heard these stories for years and years, especially if you've been involved in church at all. It's like, it kind of can become so we, our hearts can become some, come so calloused to, to the story and we lose the power of the story, right? We lose the significance of the story and the whole thing that's taking place that it's like, well, Christmas, you know, Jesus shows up, He's born and. But there's so many more things that I believe that the Lord has the ability to speak to our hearts if we're open. And I would just encourage you to, to, to be passionately hungry for whatever God is wanting to speak this morning. That you, would, that, you would, that you would pull on whatever it is that God has for you this morning. Because when God gives me a word, he gives me a word knowing the people that are going to be in the room. And when he gives me that word, he knows every one of your situations, every one of your circumstances, what you're crying out for, what you're believing God for, what, you, what you're, you're feeling like you would like to see happen in your life. God knows all of these things. And so he puts on my heart certain sermons so that it speaks to you for wherever you're at, right? And so this is what the story is about. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about the time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking where is the newborn king of the jews we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him king herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in jerusalem he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked where is the messiah supposed to be born in bethlehem in judea they said for this is what the prophet wrote and you o bethlehem in the land of judah are not least among the ruling cities of judah for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. That was the prophetic utterance that was given in the Old Testament. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had, been, they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where, he, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Uh, The fact that God that you've given us things to lead us to you and God let us be reminded that while this story may be ancient in time that it's irrelevant for today that God right now that you have signs that you have things that you are, are are showing each and every one of them. God, in ways to lead them to you, Father. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for your wisdom. I thank you for your insight. I thank you for your spirit leading us, God, and, Lord, drawing us closer to you, God. And I know that when we find you, Lord, it's our ambition, it's our desire to make you more famous today than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, you can say amen, or you can say whatever, all right, amen, that's awesome, good job. Well, the sermon is called Don't Miss the Sign, and, and, you know, it's interesting that, that there was this star that rose up in you know, in the air, and this had never happened before, and these wise men are like, hey, I'm, we're astrologers, we think this is the prophetic declaration of Jesus coming into the earth, and, and I don't know if you've ever had directions given to you, and they're like, hey, when you come to this sign, you're going to see this sign, and then you're going to go see that sign, and then they give you a bunch of different signs, and you're always looking for these signs, right? And then you, you're, looking so, you're so fixated on the signs that they've been telling you about that you forget about the street sign that you're supposed to be turning down. And the the, the point is is that a lot of times we can get so fixated on directions and where we think we're going that we forget that we need to be only going where God has has called us. That this star was the guiding thing for their lives. That these wise men's goal was to find and encounter Jesus. And God gave them this star so that he could lead them to him. And what I want you to understand that, that today is, that, is to make this practical, to make this relevant for your life, that I don't think very many of you are going to get a star in the sky, but you may get a scripture, you may get, uh, you may get a, a scenario or a situation that leads you by the Spirit to Him. And here's the thing is that while there is the sign, the one that Jesus is calling you to, there will be some other things that will be counterfeits that will help to, uh, try to distract you. And even in this story, we see that they are trying to follow a star while there is a lot of interruptions. There are a lot of other things coming in. There's Herod. There's all these different situations happening in their lives. And for all of us, we have to understand that while we are trying to follow God, there are going to be things that try to get in the way of us following him. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but in the last year, there have been things that have invaded my life that have come in to try to distract me from following the star, from following and being led by God. And it's easy to, 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 to just because allowing motion and movement to justify that, the fact that, that, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. As long as we're moving, we're good. But how many of you know you could be moving in the wrong direction without the star? That you could be assuming, well, he's not in Bethlehem, he's here. And you can assume where God is and where he isn't, based on what you feel like everybody else is saying The whole point is that God has a specific star for you. He had a star for the wise men and he has something for you. And here's the whole point. When we we see this story played out and we get to the very end of the story, the, the main point, one of the main points that we have to take away from this is this, is that God gives to each of us a sign that gets our attention and gets us back to him. That some of us, we need a sign because we've gotten too far away from him. And the whole point of the sign is to get you back to him. To get you back to a place where you are in relationship with God. That you are willing to, pers- to pursue him. Here's the deal is that light is provided. This star was provided to clear the confusion. Like, there is going to be confusion in your lives. There is going to be times where you're like, I don't know what to do. What you have to do is you have to lean in and know, okay, God, this is direction. This is the sign you've given me. This is what I'm committing to this year. And regardless of anything else may try to bring confusion, the whole point of the sign is to, to to eradicate and eliminate confusion. Right? I don't know if you're really honest this morning. There have been times where you were confused whether this was God or this was God. And what you have to do is you have to go back to, this is what God said. God said in verse, right, I think it's verse 6, he says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are the least of these. And he goes through this whole prophetic utterance. Some of you all have to go back to the word that God gave you. Some of you all have to go back to that encounter that God encountered with you, and, and you have to go from there and let that be what leads and guides you moving forward. Right? And and this is so important, that light is provided. This is a a scripture in Psalms, I mean, in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That one of the greatest aspects of us finding God is really the condition of our heart. Do we really want to find God or do we want to find what's in God, like what we can get from God? And here's the thing, he says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That is my ambition for 2022 is for me to find God in ways that I've not found him, to encounter God, to experience him in ways that I've not done that. And so with all of my heart, I'm going to be willing to be led by whatever it looks like that star for me. For you, you have to figure out, okay, God, what is it that you're doing to lead me and guide me into this place where I can encounter and find you? See, the, the sign is confirmation. It was confirmation for them that they were moving in the right direction. I don't know if you've ever felt like when you're serving God that you're, am I moving in the right direction? Was I supposed to move here? Was I supposed to take that job? Was I supposed to get into that relationship? Was I supposed to do that with my finances? Was I supposed to do that with my career? Like if you've ever had any of those types of things where there's confusion, what happens is the light, what it does is it, it confirms that you are moving in the right direction. So you don't have to have those wonders. You can know, okay, God, this is where you brought me to. This is what you're asking of me. This is where you're taking me. And it brings confirmation to your heart. See, they, they trusted a star in the sky to find their way to the Messiah. That's what, for them, that was trust. For them, it was, what am I going to be willing to follow to find him? Here's my question for all of us is, what are you trusting to find the Messiah? Right now, what are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in you? Are you putting your trust in other things? Because what they did is they put their trust in the very thing that they felt like the Spirit was leading them to. Now, what I want you to understand is the star for them is the Spirit for us. The star is something that is leading them while it is the same thing the Spirit is for us. That you have the Holy Spirit, and not only do you have to look to the sky, all you have to do is look inside of you and, and learn the voice of the Holy Spirit, because right now, He is leading you. Right now, he is bringing you into this place of relationship with God, and he wants to bring you into this encounter with Christ. This whole thing with the wise men was for these wise men to have an encounter with Jesus. They wanted to be able to experience what was to come, which was supposed to be this Messiah. And so they they were seeking out, pursuing Jesus. The star, it was their way of letting God know, I trust you, so I'm going to move whenever the star moves. If you want to know if you're trusting God, are you moving at the rate of the star? Are you moving at, see, a lot of times we say we trust God when we can predict the outcome. They didn't didn't get a chance to predict the outcome. They had to put all their baskets out there and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to trust you based on whether this will happen or not. I'm going to trust you because this is what the star is doing. So when it moves, I move. When it stops, I stop. In other words, I never outpace the star because I trust the star is leading me to him. And what we have to do is we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn to trust God and know, God, why are you going this direction? I would have not gone that way. You don't know what's ahead. So sometimes God will redirect and reroute and redo things in our lives because he knows where we're going and we don't understand what's ahead. See, the the second part of this is this, is that while they were being led by a light, you and I are lights. The Bible says that you are the light of the world, right? Right? That there are wise men, per se, in your world that are looking to find the Messiah. And it's so important for how you live your life that you are a light that is leading them to Jesus. If people were following you right now, yesterday, the week before, where would they end up? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Where would people who are, if we're lights and we're leading people, where would they have ended up? And that, that's, a, that's a provoking question because the light led them right to the Messiah, which is our jobs as believers, is to lead people to find and encounter Jesus. You know, most people, I, I believe that, that people, we, we've kind of come to the place where we feel like it's only at church people can have experiences and encounters. And I think that if we lived our lives as lights, that people would have encounters at our workplaces. People would have encounters at school. People would have encounters in the grocery store, and at the gas station, and at the movies. Because when you're living your light as a light, you can't help but bring people to him. The problem is we have an on and off switch. And we determine when we want to be a light for Jesus, and we don't, based on whether we're offended or we have our own ambitions. And there, is no, there is no on and off switch in the kingdom. We are the light of the world. In fact, he assigns us to say, don't put a lamp over the light. Don't hide it under a bushel. Do you want me to do the song? Okay. <laughs> right? Like, the, the whole point is this light, the whole point is this light is to bring people to Jesus. That our light shouldn't be to bring people gifts this year, but to bring them to Jesus. Right? Like, some of us, we've put more energy in bringing a gift to somebody instead of pr- bringing them into the gift, Christ. That it's about me living my life in such a way that it burns for Christ. And when people experience me, they experience the opportunity to meet Jesus. Right? Here's my question is, what are people getting from following you? Are people getting more bitter or better? Are people getting more angry? Are people getting selfish? Are people wanting to know Jesus more because of how we live our lives? And I know that that is so elementary and that is like, I mean, really, Pastor, that's all you got for us this morning. But the reality is, is that how many of us are really being lights for the world? Because at the end of the day, there are a bunch of wise men who are really desperate to know Jesus. And if we will take our assignment as being lights in this world serious, there will be a lot of people sitting at the feet of Jesus ready to give over whatever it is. See, really, there is no greater cause than the one you and I get to do as being lights. There is no greater cause. Regardless of how, how great you do in your company, how big of a business you build, how great of a parent you are, how all. there is no greater thing than us being lights for a world that is dark. And here he gives us this illustration as an opportunity to say, look, the star is what led them and got them to Jesus, right? There was nothing else. It was the star and the star alone that got them there. And for us, there are, uh, there are opportunities this year that as we choose to be that light, that we are going to be able to have incredible testimonies of people encountering Jesus. In verse 4, it begins to, I'll hit verse 3 first, but it says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and was, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? So Herod is here now. He's asking these questions to the wise men. Now, we understand now knowing, but, but Herod had no intentions on worshiping Jesus, right? What he was doing is he, he was trying to get information. He was doing intel to try to find out where Jesus was so he could destroy him, so he could eliminate him because there are just Herods that don't want Jesus to be exalted, and they don't want him to take his rightful place. But here's the second thing that I think is key and important for us as believers is this to understand. This is the second point, is that there will be things that get in the way. There's going to be things that get in the way of you getting to Jesus. But here's the deal is that passion will get you to him. While Herod and different things came in to their lives and tried to interrupt and tried to put life on pause, it was passion that got them there. They were more interested in getting to Jesus than they were about Herod's voice. And I think we have to understand is there are going to be plenty of things that try to interrupt your pursuit for Jesus. Good things. There's not going to just be Herod's. There will be other things that are really good that you want that will try to get you to put your life on pause. Well, I want to get Jesus. Well, but you can have this, and then you maybe don't need him. There's always going to be this opportunity to try to to try to get things to get in your way. But passion is where it happens. There will be those, those stealers, those people that are trying to steal your assignment. There, Herod was one of those guys like, hey, let me, let me uh, have you come in and, and I'll pamper you. But the whole point was he was trying to steal the worship that was due for the king. There will be those people that want your gift instead of, of Jesus. Jesus. They will want your gift. They will want what you can give. See, they, all, all Herod wanted was their gift, their ability to understand that, that star reading, because they, they were gifted. That's why they knew that, that Jesus, that the star was leading, because they were wise in their ability to read the stars. They said, that we've been reading stars for years, and that's never been there. So what Herod did is he used their gift to try to get to him. And there are some people that just want your gift, and they don't want Jesus. And it's important that you recognize that and that you know that that there are going to be people that just want that and they don't have any intentions on helping you get to Christ. That's what was happening here. See, there are going to be things that when you are in pursuit for Jesus, because I think we get into this like I'm going to go after Jesus and then we get so gung-ho that we assume that we're not going to run across issues. That we're not going to have anything come in between us and whatever that assignment is. And the reality is, is you will always find a person or a problem that gets in the way of you trying to get to Jesus. Some people intentional, some people unintentional. Some people just like, they just get in the way unconsciously, not not intentionally. Where you have to be so, you have to be so desperate to get to him that you're not willing to let anything disrupt you. and, and, And interrupt your pursuit for him. Here's the thing is, my question for us is what is detouring us? Have we put our lives on pause to pursue Jesus because of a problem or a person? I can't tell you how many times I've met people who are dating, they're passionately in love with Jesus. I mean, they're like gung-ho, they finally meet somebody, and literally their passion turns from the star to the person. I can't tell you how many people I've met that had so much passion for God in this one area, and then they got a job, or they got a promotion, or they got something, and their passion went to their career. There's always going to be something that tries to steal and interrupt and disturb and disrupt you from moving with the star. And it's so important for you to recognize, well, wait, wait, the star is getting out in front of me. I've got to move. Sorry, I love my promotion. I love this relationship. I love this, but I've got to move at the pace of the star, not you. There are going to be things that happen in our lives that... That this, And we have to say, okay, what is detouring? What is intervening? What is trying to get between me and the star? Because there, in, in this life, I mean, you know, it's like the squirrel syndrome. I mean, it's real easy. Or at least for me, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of doing something for God. It's like squirrel, like what? Right? But what you have to do is you have to stay focused on God. What is it that you want for my life? Not what I want for my life. Because you'll start chasing something else. These wise men wanted to encounter Jesus. And we can say we want to encounter Jesus, but here's the thing. Are you moving with the star? Your movement will determine what you want. Your movement towards it will determine what you're wanting. See, we all have a little Herod in us as well. We all have a little Herod in us that we want to get to Jesus for an impure motive. You know the Bless Me movement? Like, I can get close to Jesus, he'll bless me, he'll give me every, all, my, all my desires and all my things that I want, and then the reality is that God knows that if he gives you everything you want, you would leave him. But see, Herod, just, he wanted to get to Jesus for a very different reason. He said he wanted to get to him for worship. He wanted to get to him for worship, all right, to, to kill him so he could get the worship, See, there is a Herod in us, and what we have to do is we have to find Herod in us and make sure that he's eradicated. We have to find the desires that, are, that we are pursuing Jesus for the wrong reasons. Because I think it's very easy in our life that we live in and in the culture we live in where it is easy to get to Jesus just because he can bless me. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because then it doesn't become about what he's already done for you. It's about what he has to do for you to keep serving him. So there is this, always this intention of trying to find Herod in our lives. To be like, okay, that right there, I'm trying to. That's an impure motive. And, and that takes a lot of self-awareness. Because, because it's hard to admit that my, impure, my, my motives are impure. Like, You realize, like, when you want something from God, do you want it because it's going to make you a better believer or because it's going to give you a reputation or give you a perception? Like, we have to really be self-aware in those types of things and say, wow, I've been chasing after the star, not to get to Jesus, but to get to him so he could give me what I want. So that he could take this thing from me. That is the Herod that we're after. We've got to make sure that we find him in our heart and in our lives and make sure that he doesn't he's not the reason why we're moving because the star for the wise men was to get to the birth of christ herod's he didn't care about the star that's why he told him check this out this is what he told him he says when you get to him come back and tell me where he's at he didn't want to put the effort into following the star he just wanted to be able to show up and still the show that's what will happen I mean, when we're in pure modus is that we just want to get to him so we can take what he wants to give us. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. But everything changes here in, in verses 9 through 11. It says this After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had, they had seen in the east guided them to Jerusalem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Now, I just want to say something. Sometimes we don't feel spiritual when we aren't moving. Notice the star, it stopped. And we can get so fixated on doing for God that we forget when the star stops that we actually aren't supposed to do anything. And we start feeling unspiritual. We start feeling like we're not good enough. Because sometimes we base our spirituality on what we do. And not the fact that we've been obedient to stop where the star stops. Right? Like some of you, you need to hear that. Because you've been trying and striving and trying to get a hold of God and being like, Look where I've gone, Lord, look at how much I've gone. I went from here to over here. Look what I've done. Then what happens when the star stops and you have to sit still? And you don't have anything to bring him and say, Look, Lord, look what I've done for you. See, the star stops, and in that moment, guess what you get to do? Rest. You get to sit there and wait and be obedient to Jesus. Because you trust that the fact that the star is not moving, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so many of us put so much weight and so much energy into movement. If I can just show up to church, if I can check that list, if I can, oh, you need something done, you need and it's about that. We we go through our Bible, we go through okay, chapter one's done, boom, check. Okay, I journaled something, God, I love you, boom, check. And it begins about it's it's about movement and not about presence. And maybe God is wanting to do this whole Christmas series to get you to slow down and enjoy him. Stop moving and stop running and start, stop chasing. And be with. I mean, I think that, I would have thought that the wise men would have been relieved when the stars stopped. I mean, man, we've been chasing this thing. Because y'all realize that, I know in our nativity scenes, we've got little shepherd boys, we've got the angel, and we've got all the wise men. None of that happened in sequence together. We just said, oh, this is the Christmas story. We're going to push it all together and make it. There you go. The reality is, is that the shepherd, I mean, the, the wise men were up to two years later after Jesus was born. That's why Herod said kill them if they're two years and below. Right? So it's so important to understand that, that we have to trust wherever the star has us. Some of y'all, let me just go here. Some of y'all don't like where you're at because the star stopped. What you have to do is you have to start being okay with it. You have to start learning to be okay with where your star is and begin to love it. Because you know why? Where the star stops for a reason, wherever it stopped at. So it goes on, and it says this, so the star stopped, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I think that that should just be just a reminder that that is what you get when you find Jesus. That there is a real joy, not happiness, not this artificial experience with God, but this true, real, radical God encounter that happens when you find him. Like how joyful are you guys? Really, when you think about your life, how joyful are you? Look at your life. Look at what you have. Look at what God's done in your life, and how grateful are you? Because you know, great gratitude is on the other side of joy. It's around the corner, and I love it. It says that they were filled with joy when this when they saw the star and it stopped. Verse 11, it says, they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's what I want to take away from that as I close is this, is that encountering Jesus will take you from being a keeper to a releaser of your treasure. Notice that when they encountered Jesus, they had all of this stuff. But when they encountered Jesus, they were willing to give all of that stuff up to him. This isn't a tithing message. This isn't a giving message. But here's the point is that when you meet Jesus, you should be much more of a giver than you are a taker. You should be much more generous than you are trying to to, to, to take and to, to get from things. Notice when they encountered Jesus, they were willing to give away. Notice it didn't say like this random box. It says their treasure chest. You only call it a treasure chest if it's things you treasure. Right? It wasn't some random box like my daughter has that she calls whatever she calls her. What does she call them? Her treasures? That she. I mean, it's rocks and sticks and leaves and, you know, maybe a few feathers are here and there, but like that's not the treasures. It was gold, frankincense and myrrh. It was some of the most expensive things that they had. And here's the thing is Jesus never asked for any of it. Jesus didn't ask for any of the things that they gave him. When they encountered him, they said, I want you to know how valuable you are to me, so I'm willing to give you what is valuable to me to let you know how much you value. I value you. That's honestly what worship is, is when you're willing to give an exchange of what you are to him, even when he doesn't request it, even when he doesn't asks for it, when he doesn't ask for it, that you're willing to say, God, you're worthy to receive this regardless of whether you ask for it or not. See, I see here that generosity is the result of his generosity I believe that when they came in they said this is the Messiah because they saw his generosity of willing to leave heaven they said I want to give to you that out of your generosity I want to give back to you maybe this year what I would challenge you to say is how could you be more generous not financially but yes financially how could you be more generous with your time how could you be more generous with your love How could you be more generous with people in general? Because really, at the end of the day, an attribute of the kingdom is generosity. We have it on our wall in the back where it's one of our core values. It's one of our core values because it's one of the attributes of the kingdom. Generosity isn't about money. However, it does involve that. But it's not when we hear generosity, we think money, but generosity is you. How much of you are you willing to give to him? See the stop. The, the star stopped where Jesus was because there is nothing beyond him. There is nothing beyond Jesus, and I know that we we can kind of get in fixated into moving and achieving and gaining. But I want you to understand when the star stops where Jesus was is a reason because there is nothing on the other side of him that you and I. As believers will enjoy. See, worship is the release of anything that's possessing you back to Christ. Maybe, we don't know, but maybe their treasures were possessing them, were overtaking them. And it was their way of saying, Jesus, this isn't possessing me anymore, you are. What I love in this story is that I believe that as we see these men come in with wealth, with treasure, with wisdom. That what it did is it reevaluated their value system. And there's something about when you get into the presence of God that what you valued before you got into it awakens you to say, why are you valuing that at that level? You're putting a 10 on something that should be a 2. And what it did is they came in with these treasures. And I guarantee you, if we were to really go into the depths of the hearts of those wise men, that when they encountered him, they said, we need to go get more. This is all we got, so we're going to give it to them. Because there's something about when you encounter Jesus that you understand that it real, it realigns and recalibrates the value systems of your life. That you put all of this equity in your job and your wealth and your, your family and all of these things and what you've achieved in your your. your you know, your, your reputation. But when you get into the presence of God, you realize that none of that stuff matters. See, when we live in this world, this, this world corrupts our value systems, right? Things that we put value on right now may, when we were to measure it on the scale in the kingdom, we'd be like, it would just, I mean, kingdom would be here. It just it overtakes our value systems and we get over the course of time we get corrupted unconsciously i mean you watch that commercial and you think you need that vacuum you watch that commercial you think that you need that coffee maker you think you know you watch christmas and you're like my husband didn't get me a car wrapped in a bow and you're you're 25 years old how do you have that car Well, whatever how do you have that house that's what i want to know behind the car but right, those types of things, they begin to corrode our value systems, and we begin to chase those things instead of what God is calling us to. I don't know if you've ever been in the middle of a hot, hot summer day or a really, really freezing cold day. You go to start your car like it's been faithful all year long, and it's like wah, 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 wah. and it just the lights just go dim. Try to do it again, because that's what we do, right? Oh, that was just. Wah, 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 wah. One more time, just for good measure. Okay, it's definitely not starting. Pop the hood and you look at it, and it looks like a puffball sitting over your battery because of all the corrosion. This is what happens in us a lot of times: is that we there comes a point where we're running and chasing, and everything's great, and then all of a sudden, boom, and our lives. The corrosion of the world. And that's why we need the encounters with Jesus because what it does is it keeps the corrosion off of our batteries so that we can have a value system that is kingdom-minded and not worldly. And it's so important for us to say, okay, God, I want to be in your presence because when I'm in your presence, you recalibrate my value system. You recalibrate what I need to be thinking about, what I need to be driven about, what I need to be desiring, what I need to be ambitious about. I mean, I know certain pastors who work 70 and 80 and 90 hours a week. Like, I'm out. Trying to build their church. The Bible says that he who builds the church, right, that, that Jesus should be the one who builds the church. And if you build it, you build it in vain. I can work 90 hours and make this church a lot bigger, but I think I'd rather grow it at the pace of Jesus. Right, And some of y'all are trying to outgrow Jesus in your life and you're just trying to work a certain amount of hours and you're trying to attain certain things. At the end of the day, you're getting corroded. It's corrupting your value systems. You used to care about family, but now you don't. You used to take your wife on dates, but now you don't. Oh, easy. (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding. She said, amen. I'm kidding heard it from the first (laughs) but right like that's what happens is core of those value systems begin corrupted and you where you used to have character and integrity now you've lost it because you're just trying to get to the next thing being in his presence is so vital for where God wants to take you because where he's wanting to take you is not where you're at He is wanting to move you into an incredible place and you have to be willing to trust the star. And when he says here, this is where you're going to encounter me, that you're willing to encounter him and willing to give whatever you need to give to him that may be possessing you. Because what was possessing me six years ago is not the same thing that's possessing me today. I mean, you can stand as I close. Here's the deal is that we all We all need a place of security and safety for our soul. And that is in Jesus. It's in Jesus that we find security. It's in Jesus that we find safety for our soul. There is nowhere in the world that's going to take care of your soul like Jesus will. And when those wise men got into his presence, they realized, he will take care of me. And you can imagine all the years before they assumed all these other things could take care of them. My wisdom will take care of me. My wealth will take care of me. But all that is fleeting. All it takes is one car accident and you're not going to be very smart anymore. All it takes is one situation and something to happen to your mind or to your body and physically, you know what I'm saying, like it all of that stuff is so fleeting in him that we find the safety for our soul so if anything this Christmas that you would look for the star that's in your life that you would see and ask God "God, where are you guiding me and my family where are you taking us where do you want to where do you want us to be and you would gather your family and you would begin to move with the star wherever that is you would learn to trust the star wherever it takes you that you would have confidence, God, that you're leading me here and I'm willing to follow. And I believe by the Spirit that there are things that God is illuminating in your life that He's showing you what it is. For others, you may be there and now it's time to hand over what's what's possessing you, those things that are so that you're so consumed by and that you're willing to lay your frankincense and your myrrh and your gold down before him. So Father, I pray God in this moment that while this word is so maybe heard and, and kind of just Overused, God, I pray that in this moment, God, that you would use this star as something so significant for our lives that would lead us to encounters with you. That would cause us to become a people of generosity. People willing to lay down things that we've put value on that in the kingdom aren't value. we love you, God. We thank you for, God, this whole Christmas story, because at the end of the day, this is more than a story. This is the truth that you came to give us eternal life because you loved us and you believed in us. So, Father, I pray that you would encounter your people this week, this month, this year. that you would sweep into their homes, into their hearts, into their minds. and You would bring confidence that you are who you say you are in their lives. This morning, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you say, I want to give my heart to Christ, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Maybe I prayed the prayer, but it was only a prayer. Really never got fully committed to Jesus, or I did and I backed away, but I want to be back with the Lord now. If that's you on either one of those, this is the whole point of the birth, is so that you could have eternal life with Him. So if that's you this morning, you can slip your hand up real quick. I just want to know who you are so I can pray with you. You say that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus, or I want to recommit my life to Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you'd be with us this week, this year. In Jesus' name, amen.